0: Hey everyone and welcome back to Pucks and Pages.
1: My name is Steven. That is my book-loving wife, Liberty.
0: We're a married couple with different interests and we try to bring each other into our hobbies by discussing the latest news in both books and sports.
1: Today is not a sports episode, so it's Liberty's favorite day. It's a book episode!
0: Technically, we record them on the same day, so it's always the best and the worst. Yes. (laughs) But this is our final episode before the mid-season break. We're going to take a week off next week.
1: And go on book adventures that Liberty doesn't know about yet, which is exciting.
0: And you're going to make me go camping. So again, the best and the worst.
1: You get to sleep on the ground once the entire week. You'll survive.
0: One would hope. (laughs) I survived Texas and I think I'll survive.
1: 70 degree weather in Texas. Oh God, the horrors. (laughs)
0: But before we can get around to all the fun stuff that's going to happen, we have to get through this episode, which is going to kind of be a long one because I had a freak out moment. And when I freak out, I read a lot. So that happened.
1: The good news for you guys is I didn't read a full length book. So yay, us.
0: But before we get into all that, let's discuss the latest news in the book community. Oh man. Amazon has dropped a Wheel of Time teaser trailer It is about all of five seconds long and if you haven't read Wheel of Time then it means nothing for you because it meant nothing for me because I haven't read this series. I
1: was really hoping that you knew more about it because I know I've never even heard of it so. So
0: Wheel of Time is a series by Robert Jordan that spans across 14 novels which that's about seven too many.
1: That's a lot.
0: And was completed by Brandon Sanderson after Jordan died. Yeah. The story takes place in a world where only women can use magic, that's all I know about it. Okay. Rosamund Pike will play the protagonist, Moraine, and other cast members include Madeline Madden, Marcus Rutherford, and Barney Harris. The series will be produced by Ruff Judkins, and there is currently no set release date. Basically, this is a high fantasy series as far as I know, and it has never interested me. Probably because it's so effing long, and the books are big, so it's not like a series of unfortunate events that are all like 20 pages long. That's not really how short they are, but still, you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, I've also not read those, so I'm I'm sorry.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) I know they're short though.
0: Sonic Bond Publishing will be publishing Alice Cooper in the 1970s by Chris Sutton on May 28th. Sutton explores the story of the band Alice Cooper The book features interview material from key figures, including Michael Bruce, Dennis Dunaway, and Neil Smith from the original band, plus their session guitarist, Mick Mashbeer. Okay. All of the albums and singles from Don't Blow Your Mind until From the Inside are examined in detail, along with related archive releases and songs that didn't make the cut.
1: Interesting. I didn't know... Alice Cooper was a band I thought it was just the name of the person that led the band at least what I just read that's the case but it's interesting I know obviously there are other people in Alice Cooper's band yeah I know that like somebody like myself or my dad would enjoy that we like reading about music things so yes which is ironic because my musical abilities are just non-existent so but I love to listen to music so
0: I thought you would find that interesting yeah and in sad news the celebrated children's author Beverly Cleary died this week at 104 years old.
1: I she, even know her name.
0: She was trained as a librarian and didn't start writing books until her early 30s when she wrote Henry Huggins, which was published in 1950. Some of her popular series include Henry Huggins, Ramona Quimby, and Ralph S. Mouse. She wasn't writing recently because she said she felt it was important for writers to know when to quit.
1: I love that. It's a little bit of a humble brag and it was my time and maybe some other people should join me. Yeah. (laughs) A little dig.
0: She was named a living legend in 2000 by the Library of Congress. In 2003, she was chosen as one of the winners of the National Medal of Arts. Awesome. Yeah. She did a lot. 104 is also wide an age to get to.
1: Yeah, definitely. And at that age, people start asking you what you did. And like the funny thing that always comes out is like, I ate a lot of steak or things that like people always tell you you shouldn't do. For her, it was probably just reading books because she's a librarian.
0: That's what it is. You read a lot. You live a lot.
1: Yeah, I better get on that train then.
0: (laughs) Get to it. (laughs) But I hadn't read any of her work, but even I kind of knew who this person was.
1: Yeah, I can't remember that I've really read any of her work.
0: Well, just going through her popular series, none of that reminded me of anything, but I wasn't a big reader until I was like 10, so I might have been aged out of that by the time I started reading, really. And the last piece of like news news that I have is like polar opposite direction because you have a children's picture book on Dr. Anthony Fauci is set for a June release. The book follows Fauci through his upbringing in Brooklyn, all the way to his role working with seven U.S. presidents. It's called Dr. Fauci, How a Boy from Brooklyn Became America's Doctor, and it comes out on June 29th and is available for pre-order now. Interesting. If you want a kid's book, or if you want to read a kid's book to your kid, I suppose. But the real news for this week's episode is the April new releases, since this is the last episode before the next month.
1: I tried to be cool and pull those up, but I couldn't find a very good like source for them, so I'm sure you've got them all listed.
0: Well, I have the ones that interest me or should be interesting to other people. Got it. Because some of these I definitely don't read and won't read, but it's popular. So the first one I'm going to mention comes out the soonest, but also I've already read this because I got it in a NetGalley arc. Oh, okay. Kisses and Croissants by Anne-Sophie Johano releases on April 6th. It's a standalone YA contemporary slash romance. I read it earlier this year and rated it 3.5 stars. It's about a girl who travels to Paris for six weeks to do a ballet training camp and is a little sidetracked by a family mystery and a cute French boy. Interesting. It was just a little young for me and I'm not the target audience, obviously. I think if you're 20 or younger, you're probably going to like this more than I did but I'm definitely not 20 or younger next is The Girl and the Mountain by Mark Lawrence it releases on April 13th it is book two in the Book of Ice series and it's an adult fantasy Book of the Ice series is set in the same world as the Book of the Ancestor series but takes place afterward so I don't know this series because I didn't read past book one in book of the ancestor but this is a really popular author so i thought i would mention it and then one that i have through netgalley but haven't read yet is max and the spice thieves by john perigin 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 it releases on april 20th it is book number one in the secrets of the twilight Gin*. it is a middle grade fantasy When his mother goes missing, Max must pair up with Captain Sin and his crew of Spice Pirates to travel across the three seas to save her. Oh, man. So it's got a piratey theme, which fits with something that I read this week. But I will be reading this soon because I do have a NetGalley copy of it.
1: Yeah, I love those NetGalley copies getting you all hyped up about some new books.
0: Yeah and then you have another popular book in a series it is the galaxy and the ground within by becky chambers this also comes out on april 20th it is book four in the wayfarers series this is an adult sci-fi series i read the first one in the series a while back and really enjoyed it but didn't feel compelled to continue on with the series But the Wafer series is about a found family and it's very character driven. In book one you have a crew who is set out to create a wormhole between a couple of different planets. So they basically have to set something up and then take the long way to the planet to set up the wormhole. So it's everything that happens while they're traveling through space to do that gotcha and the couple stops that they have to make in order to restock refuel repair stuff like that and i assume it goes from there for the rest of the series i believe book four is the last one for this series so it's concluding in april And then a book that I know a lot of people are looking forward to, but I'm definitely not, is (laughs) The Crown of Gilded Bones by Jennifer L. Armentrout. This releases on April 20th as well. It is book number three in the Blood and Ash series. This is an adult fantasy romance. From what people have said, this series is more romance and adult than it is fantasy. Yeah. So that's why I've never picked it up. I've read from Jennifer L. Armantrout before, but that was back when I was an actual teenager and she had a YA series out. But from my understanding, the first book in the series is about a maiden and her guard. So it's got the maiden and the guard, like romantic trope. And it's set in a fantasy world. Basically, this girl is being saved for sacrifice. So she must remain pure and untouched and can't enjoy anything really. And then she falls in love with her guard from my understanding. So probably I would like some aspects of this, but with so much of it being romance, I don't think I could like sit through that story because it's a chonky book and like all of them are chonky.
1: You don't like them thick romance books?
0: No. (laughs) I could deal with a thousand page fantasy book if it's compelling. I can't deal with like a 500 page romance Nothing about that's compelling to me. It says there's fantasy elements, but some people I know have said basically the fantasy stuff doesn't get explained. The magic system doesn't get explained, but the series is very popular in the book community right now. So some people are looking forward to this for sure. And then the one that I'm probably most looking forward to is Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. It releases on April 27th. And it is book number six in the Murderbot Diaries. I never shut up about the good news that is Murderbot. Yeah. This is an adult sci-fi. Basically, I said more Murderbot. That's all I need to know (laughs) because I don't really know what happens in this one. We just continue to follow Murderbot as they travel throughout the galaxies. Yeah. And if you know about this series, you already know and love the character and some of the repeated characters throughout the series. So
1: yeah, you're a a avid Murderbot fan and supporter.
0: Evangelist. (laughs) Evangelist.
1: Wow. (laughs) Going far on that one.
0: Let me tell you about the good news of Murderbot.
1: Our Lord, the Murderbot.
0: (laughs) Our Lord and security unit, Murderbot. (laughs) I'm going straight to hell. Okay.
1: At least you know.
0: (laughs) Another one I'm excited for, I've actually got this one pre-ordered, is Lycanthropy and Other Chronic Illnesses by Kristen O'Neill. It also releases on April 27th. This is supposed to be a standalone YA contemporary with some like fantasy elements. Okay. So like magical realism kind of thing. It is slated on Goodreads as a cross between Teen Wolf and Emergency Contact. And it's about friendships, chronic illnesses, and online support forums.
1: I don't like the first thing, Teen Wolf, and I don't even know what the second thing is, so... It's
0: a book that I rated like three or four stars a couple years back, but... Basically, you have a girl who gets sick and so she starts going to online forums, makes friends there. Suddenly, one of her friends just disappears from the forums, won't respond to messages or phone calls. So, the first girl decides to try to go find her friend and discovers that maybe the unspoken illness that her friend has is lycanthropy. So, maybe they're a wolf. It seems really, like weird and cute and fun and i like those kind of things in my contemporaries right i will say that some early reviews of just the cover have called it out for some not great appropriation from communities that the author is not a part of because she is a white woman writing about someone who is not white I think if it's done well, it could be okay, but I think you really have to read the story before you can call someone out like that, Yeah. in my opinion. You might be unsettled with a cover, but until you know what's inside the book, you can't really say for sure that it's cultural appropriation or just not handling something well. So that is some touchy ground we're probably going to have to be careful about later on. And the last book that I'm going to be discussing coming out in April is Meet Me in Another Life by Catriona Sylvie. It comes out on April 27th as well. This is a standalone romance slash sci-fi, I think, based on the synopsis that I read. It seems to be a multiverse based story about two people who meet in every lifetime and have different connections in each one. In some, they fall in love. In others, they're enemies. And even more, they're more like teacher and student. But over time, there are blurred memories and strange patterns popping up. It is shelved under both romance and sci-fi, but it seems like there's also some mystery elements based on the Goodreads synopsis.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you could kind of go either way with that. Just considering it's not always romance, they just start remembering things across like bits the multibers. and pieces. Yeah. yeah
0: and you know I like stories like this it seems like it could be like either you're gonna go in like a mystery horror section of this story or you're gonna go in like a more romance direction yeah and if you go in the romance direction you could be having like the soulmate trope and like other things you could discuss right and you could be talking about topics about love and like non-romantic love and the difference between different types of love so it could be really good it just depends on like where the story lands at Mm. the end yeah it sounded interesting when i saw it in the list of books coming out but now we're going to talk about what i've been reading and the freak out that I had midweek.
1: The read, 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 read everything.
0: So before we get into it I'm just gonna preface it by saying that I'm only supposed to be reading two books a week but then I got approved for an arc that I'd never thought I was gonna get. Murderbot. I was approved for Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells and I was doing my slow reread of the series and I was suddenly like, I don't have time to do that. I've got to turn it up and read this faster. You
1: had to turn it up to level 11.
0: So I was basically reading at the beginning of the week before I got approved, like 100, 120 pages a day. And that was good. I was on pace to read my two books. And
1: you were super relaxed.
0: Yeah. And then I got an email saying I had been approved for that. And I was like, well, crap.
1: Yeah, you. It wasn't an oh crap moment. You, like, l- I think the oh crap moment came later. At first, it was like, yes, the thing I wanted is here. Like, you were just overjoyed and excited. Like, you not only sent me a text about it, but when I got home from work, you immediately were like, we need to talk about this thing that happened. And I'm like, oh my God. Like,
0: well, I never thought I was going to get it. I just asked for it just in case. And the just in case actually happened for once yeah and it was amazing but then i realized i need to for this week <laughs> read 300 pages a day on top of everything else i do every week and to that was catch up. a yeah. lot but i think now i'm on track finally
1: well that's good
0: it just involved four days of panic reading and reading like 1200 pages in four days let's discuss all the reading i did because i've technically finished five books as of this recording but four technically in the week time span that we're discussing the first one is namesake by adrian young this is a new release from march 16th it is book two in the fable duology and a ya fantasy slash piratey book
1: And arguably has like the best looking covers set that I've ever seen.
0: Whoever did the covers for this duology needs a pay raise. I don't care if they've already gotten one. They need like another one. Yeah. I rated this book 4.25 stars. Basically, at the end of the first one, we are left on a cliffhanger. Okay. And the second one continues on from there. We have more of Fable's family drama and piratey goodness. And we got to see the world expand below the narrows into the unnamed sea. So that was a lot of fun. I really enjoyed it. And I enjoyed a lot of the character development that we saw, particularly between Fable and her father, which I didn't think I would say because after the first book, I just hated him. (laughs) But there is one point I want to make about this because Fable acts like the love interest that she has in this book is too dark for her. Like, he does some, like, dark and, like, definitely not okay things. Like, he's not just morally gray, but he's, like, traveling into, like, the darker side.
1: He's traveling into the bad guy side.
0: But, like, She also does some really bad things, particularly when she's on the island when we first see her in Javal. And it's just like, you did a lot of really crappy things. You hurt people, but then he does it and suddenly you don't know if you can be with him. Because he's too dark for you. Like, you're not just two sides of the same coin. You're the same freaking side of the coin. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what you're talking about. It doesn't make any sense. So that's why it's not a five-star read. Because, like, she has this conflict throughout most of the book.
1: It's like a pot calling the kettle black situation where it's just like, you're right there with him, stupid.
0: And so... I don't know I just that's the only thing I really didn't like about this book but I could also understand her seeing him doing something so dark and being scared for herself but it's very hypocritical as well so yeah but I really enjoyed all the piratey stuff I enjoyed her family drama and how she kind of plays her grandma because she meets her grandma in this one and so that was a lot of fun. And then I continued on with the book series I know I like because I'm starting my Truly Devious reread before book four comes out. Truly Devious by Maureen Johnson is a backlist book from 2018. It is book number one in the Truly Devious series. It is a YA mystery. And I rated this one four stars the first time I read it. I almost want to bump it up like a quarter star because now that I know how the first trilogy kind of wraps up, I'm seeing a lot of things that were, like, bed breadcrumbs she was laying down, and I didn't pick it up the first time because I didn't know their significance until now. Yeah. And so now I'm like, you sneaky little rider, you.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, the only way you have bedcrumbs is if you're sitting there eating food in in your bed, but yeah.
0: I corrected myself, so thanks.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry, it was silly. <laughs>
0: But it's a series about Stevie Bell, who is going to a private school on a mountaintop in Vermont, and she's going to try to solve the murder that had happened there the year the school originally opened in 1936. But while attempting to solve the case, another murder happens on campus. Oh, man. And so, like, she's trying to solve two different cases while she's there. And it's got a lot of good, like, anxiety rep. But also, I like Maureen Johnson as a writer because, for me, it feels more real world than a lot of writers. Because a lot of writers don't include things that are, like, just silly and weird and, like... Things that actually happen in real life. Everything's normally like just too clean and clean cut. And I like that she involves like weird things that actually would be happening
1: day to day. And you wouldn't even like, you wouldn't hesitate to accept it. But because the writers are like, no, we're going down this path and that's it.
0: Right. And so like specifically i'm thinking of the beginning of the first chapter because stevie points out that there are a bunch of moose signs on the way up the mountain and she's like the moose is a lie because like they hadn't seen any yeah and like that's a totally normal thing to happen but most writers aren't gonna put that at the beginning because there's no real point yeah but that's the way teenagers really are And the funny thing about that is there's a moose head in her common room of the dorm she's living in. So like the moose was a lie until now. Yeah. But I just like that everyone feels really real, even though there are like extenuating circumstances and like weird things happening. It's important. Yeah. But I'll continue my reread. The next book comes out in June, so I'm going to read The Vanishing Stair* next month and The Hand on the Wall in May and then the new one when it comes out in June. And then I had my freak out moment and started reading Rogue Protocol by Martha Wells. It's a backlist from 2018 and a reread before the next book comes out at the end of April. This is book three in the Murderbot Diaries, which is an adult sci-fi series. This one I rated 3.75 stars. So it's the first Murderbot book that dropped below four stars for me. And it's because I was missing some of the original characters we had in the first book. Because Murderbot travels throughout the galaxy to kind of get to the bottom to a bunch of questions they have. And in doing so, we lose contact with the first group of characters that we met. So I was missing them. And I think that was my main problem when I read Rogue Protocol the first time.
1: Did you feel like when it... Started getting the new characters you were starting over, or was it kind of just like we're still following Murderbot, but there's just new people around?
0: It was more like the second thing, but each book has Murderbot basically collecting a group of humans and having to protect them while they're also going through and trying to find their own answers for questions they have okay and in this one we see Murderbot continue to look for evidence of gray chris's mish- mishandling and misdoings of the previous books and they accidentally befriend another bot and another gang of humans and after that i quickly read through the old guard book two force multiplied by greg rucka and leandro fernandez it's technically a new release because the bind up came out in fall of 2020 but it's it's from 2020 either way and i was rereading it because you were gonna read it for the first time this week so we're gonna discuss it later on in the podcast it's an adult fantasy comic series that i rated four stars and the synopsis that i wrote out here was new location same lovable characters more action-packed adventure yeah But we'll discuss that later when we talk about what you read this past week. Now, what I plan on reading next, because technically it's a two-week time frame, I'm going to try to read five things. Because I need to read five things. (laughs) Possibly six, because the new Lee Bardugo comes out in a couple days. So we shall see. That's a lot of reading I need to get done. Technically, I finished this first one today. Okay but we'll talk about it when we come back from the break. It's Exit Strategy by Martha Wells, a backlist from 2018, rereading before the next one comes out, book four in the Murderbot Diaries, an adult sci-fi series. When one of Murderbot's original humans is taken hostage, they do everything in their power to try to save them. So we get our original crew from the first book, which I enjoyed because I missed them.
1: (laughs) You miss them for one novella-sized book. Two. Oh my god.
0: Given everything Murderbot goes through in each book, it feels like a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're so attached to your little Murderbot that you're like, this, this is torture. This it's is torture for Murderbot. I can't handle it.
0: And later today, I'm going to start Max and the Spice Thieves by John Perrigan Perigen, that I talked about before. It's a NetGalley arc and releases on April 20th, book one in the Secrets of the Twilight Djinn series a middle-grade fantasy about Max and his mother going missing and him pairing up with Captain Sin and the Spice Thieves to try to save her. Oh, man. And when I finish that, I will start Network Effect by Martha Wells, which is a backlist from 2020. Technically, it came out in the spring. It's a reread before the next book comes out, and book five in the Murderbot Diaries. This is an actual book this time, 350 pages an adult sci-fi, and basically we have a longer adventure with Murderbot, is what I put here. And when I finish that, I will start my arc that I have that I was so lucky to get, (sighs) which is Fugitive Telemetry by Martha Wells. And that galley arc that I got releases on April 27th, book six of the Murderbot Diaries. And I said, I'm not sure what this is about. All I know is that we get more Murderbot. That's all I need to know. Yeah. And then I will start rereading An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank Green, which is a backlist from 2018. And I'm rereading it for the podcast, because you're going to read it.
1: Holy macaroni. <laughs> it's going to be exciting, I'm sure. It's, um, it's more up my alley, style-wise. It's
0: action sci-fi, for yeah. sure. It's book number one in the Carl's series. Carl? Sure. It's yeah. an adult sci-fi It is a first contact with alien story that has multiple layers to it, including social media and sudden fame. So I think the thing that we're going to have trouble discussing is like the multi-layer level just understanding of the story. Okay. Because for me reading it, it was a little weird because I had been watching Hank Green's Vlogbrother videos. Since forever. Since 20s. 2010 I want to say so a long time so I feel like I kind of know him a little bit So I was seeing, like, all these different elements in the story that I'm like, that is a Hank thing. That is very much a Hank thing. So there was, like, that layer to it. And there's, like, another layer that's, like, Hank's YouTube life in the book. And then there's, like, the actual story. And then there's, like, the story that's not being told in the story. So it's, like, so many layers to go through. So I'm kind of glad this is going to be split into two weeks because it's not that long of a book, but it's, like, a lot. And if I have time, I will start Rule of Wolves by Lee Bardugo. It comes out at the end of March. We'll see, basically. I don't know if I have enough time to read all that.
1: Fingers crossed.
0: Yes. But like we said, you've been reading the Old Guard Force Multiplied book number two, which is comics six through ten in the Old Guard series. Right. How'd you feel about it? Meh. Really?
1: Yeah, I, like, I enjoyed the like, history of Andy's character a little bit more. But unlike some book series we've read recently, like the Vicious series where, like, the flashbacks and flash-forwards and, like, being in multiple time places at the same time, like, I just don't think it was done as well as, like, that series. But okay. in, fair, in fair comparison, like, that's perfection. So, like, I shouldn't knock it so hard. But I've never been fond of stories that, like, multiple timelines all running at the same time in different places, like yeah, it's just it's not something I enjoy reading. Just because, like, a lot of the time when I read, I come home at night, and it's a confusing format to read after you've already been working for eight or nine hours in a day. So I
0: will say I think it is a little harder to read in that kind of jumpy formatty way format in a comic, yeah, versus in an actual book,
1: yeah. I can agree So with that.
0: I think that was part of it for sure.
1: Like if each set, like if they did it like by chapter and I was told, hey, this is going on at the same time as this, instead of it being like, okay, here's the page and now we're somewhere else. I get it. It's a comic book. That's the way comic books flow. But like, I just don't think comics weird. are
0: necessarily the right format for a book telling a story involving a group of characters that are all in different locations in that moment yeah so I think that's the hard part for sure I also feel like when they made the movie for the old guard which is how it was introduced to the old guard in the first place they took some things out of Word. books one and two yeah and kind of meshed things together and restructured a couple of things so I didn't love some aspects of this but I still really enjoyed the comics. Yeah because I love these characters.
1: And again, I I enjoyed the characters. I enjoyed what happened in the book. I just, I, just the way it was laid out kind of threw me for a whirl. Yeah. Like it, it definitely affected how much I remember from it. Whereas like the first one, you could have asked me on what page did they say this? And I would have been able to tell you. Whereas with this one, it's just like, there was so much going on. And just small fragments that my brain was just like... Uh, would
0: you rather have had things happen chronologically and then, like, change locations, jump back in time, and then tell what Yeah, honestly,
1: probably. I don't know that it, the story would have been told right that way either, though. So. Right.
0: And that's the difficulty with that. Yeah. I will say that I love the movie more than the comics, which is weird.
1: I don't... It's an action movie, and there's so many of them out there. Like, I really enjoyed the movie. I think the comics present a better education as to what kind of went on, I guess. I I just want to read the third book now so that I can really make up my mind whether, like, this is going to be proper closure for me or not.
0: Well, Comic 11 releases at the end of April this year, and so then you have to have four more comics come out, and then they're going to make the bind-up. Yeah. So... It will probably be at least the end of this year, if not later. Yeah. Which sucks.
1: We might have to order the Comic 11 just so I can, like, get out of the weird and headspace like it left on a good cliffhanger like I'm excited to read the next stuff that comes out but at the same time it's just it wasn't a good flow and I think it threw off my rhythm when I was reading it so much yeah that like it bothered me a little bit but, well
0: we open up with a mission with our four members of the old guard that are still together yeah because Booker was sent in exile after the events of book one. And I really liked the mission that they were doing and how it opens up with kind of a discussion about slavery and why that still exists, but just under a different name. Yeah. Not why, how it still exists. And we also sort of discuss Andromache's conflict in this one about like her relationship with her own past given she's almost 7000 years old it's unhealthy well it's unhealthy to live for 7000 years would be my answer to that
1: that's a true argument.
0: Because like you can't go through with that much life and trauma and not have a lot of mental health issues.
1: Right. I did like the way that they kind of brought Copley back into things like into the fold a little bit. But It's
0: definitely different from the movie. Oh, but... well
1: the end of the last book was completely different from the movie too. Right, so... yeah.
0: But I do like how he's trying to atone for the things that happened in book one for yeah. sure.
1: Which he kind of does in the movie already. Like, he tries to atone for it by helping out Niall rescue everybody. But
0: But I like that he ends up trying to help them with the thing at the end. But before we get there, we've got something that kind of happened in the movie, but kind of didn't. We see a clip of Booker coming home and someone is in his house. Yeah. And... Basically in the comic book it is a woman named Noriko and she captures him in his home and takes him to her yacht.
1: Yeah well she's supposed to be the woman that was thrown overboard off the ship that was like Andy's original partner more or less right? Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And technically in the book Noriko is just caught in a storm on a ship in the 1500s with andromache but noriko goes over the side of the ship and she just
1: drowns over and over. gets and over
0: lost again. and keeps drowning over and over and over and so by the time she gets out of that situation she's very mentally unstable in my opinion well for obvious reasons and so she captures booker to try to get to the other to draw them people. in yeah, so, yeah bait them in but while that's happening, we also get introduced to an FBI agent named Mustafa, or Moose, as he is called.
1: Yeah, I, he doesn't play as big of a part as I thought he was going to. Okay. I, he's there, and and it's a fling for Nile, basically. Yeah. And it's like, okay.
0: Basically, they're just giving him information so that He the, feeds it to them. Well, they feed information to him... To get information from him so that they can work on taking down this ring of human traffickers yeah and niall does end up having a relationship with him but only after he finds out she's an immortal which i thought was a little weird because like i wouldn't be like yeah i need to totally bang that person who can't die but that's just me maybe that's exciting But we also see Booker getting drowned over and over again by Noriko so that she can get information out of torturing him. Right.
1: It seems to be her MO to use that to torture people.
0: Yeah. Because that happens later as well. Yeah. Which I'm not a fan of this idea, but she ends up hearing about a mission that they did in California. And so she makes her way there with her goons and Booker. Mm Mm-hmm and while they're trying to take out a bunch of people from the human trafficking ring they do take out eight people but then when they go to open the storage locker is that even the right term container it's noriko on the inside and yeah. she comes out guns blazing
1: well yeah. is all the people in the receiving end don't die so
0: well, they're immortal. Yeah. Which is something different from the movie now that I think about it, because at the end of the movie, Andromache was no longer immortal. Yeah. So that is definitely different in this one.
1: I'm, I'm interested on if they're going to make a second movie, which it sounds like they're going to. How it's going to play out?
0: Right. It's
1: got to be completely different than the second book.
0: Well, and like, that's kind of my thing with the comics. Like, I enjoy the comics and I enjoyed the movie, but you really can't have them exist in your head as like the same thing because they Maybe. are different enough. Yeah. So I think that is going to be fun to try to like suss out between like the next book and the next movie and everything like that.
1: And I think that's where a lot of my problem comes in just because I I enjoy the comic as a comic first and foremost. I enjoy the movie as a movie, but it's just you can't have your brain try to think of both, which does not aid in the process of reading this this comic at all because, again, it's just everywhere at once. Yeah. So, like, you're going back to historical times, and then you're back to something that's happening in the real world, and then you're going back to historical times, and then you're going back to characters somewhere else, and it's just, it's just too much hopping around, I think.
0: I think it might help if you had, like, a stabilizing perspective because most of these comics are coming from Andromache's perspective yeah you occasionally get other perspectives when they're needed outside of what she's doing yeah but it would be nice to just have one that's like a constant like stabilizing perspective yeah maybe nikki because like he's always around yeah also i like nikki i like joe too yeah but we do get a moment when Noriko and Andromache meet up and they're, like, discussing human nature in the human world and how the humans have developed to become what they think is, like, worse than what they were before. And Nariko basically says, like, I'm not here to save them. I'm here basically to be the bad guy.
1: She's here to punish them. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how, like, everything in the human world is just hopeless Pretty
1: fair comparison to having just watched uh, Wonder Woman. Yeah. It was a very similar speech.
0: Yeah, for sure. And while that conversation is going on, you have Copley in the bar with Nick and Joe. Mm-hmm.
1: Telling him that he knows where Booker is and all that stuff.
0: Well, before that, you actually have them discuss something that happened at the end of the movie, which is him going like, if you look, you can see how you have impacted yeah. the path of the world and yeah. how things have changed and developed. Like, that, I feel like, was a good and necessary conversation for them to have. Because they didn't have it at the end of book one. Right. But then we go back to the conversation between Noriko and Andromake. And she's like, surprise, knife to the throat. Yeah. And she ends up torturing Andromake in a car that's been dropped into the ocean. And she's been stuck in the trunk. Yeah. And she ends up getting out because mm-hmm. the way cars have developed, you have a release. It like glows trunk. in the
1: dark in yeah. the trunk,
0: yeah. But while she is still trapped in there, you've got Noriko coming up to Nile while she's coming out of her hookup, and basically saying, "You know what? You need to realize that Andromache is not like this really good person." Ask her about Law Two Hundred and Eighty Two. Yeah. And then comes time for the boat Cause butt whooping.
1: Because they're on a boat.
0: They're about to be on a yacht. Yeah. We get to see a little of conflict between Nile and K while they get ready for that, but basically it's just straight on to all the action.
1: Andy kills a bunch of people.
0: Andy goes ballistic. Yeah. Which like that's cool to see, but Yikes!
1: Yeah, because like, believe it or not, I feel like she always still had like emotions for the loss of having to kick Booker out, you know, and yeah, to see him in the shape that he was in, really just sent that trigger overboard. I feel like.
0: Well, she hadn't seen him yet when she went off. But
1: still, but like,
0: having yeah. to save him from someone that she had like been mourning the loss of for hundreds of years yeah. is probably a lot to deal with. Yeah and basically noriko's like what are you gonna do keep beating me up and i'll keep beating you up and no one will get the upper hand right everyone's gonna die and then come back and then die and come back so they just part ways yeah like i'm gonna not kill you you're not gonna kill me and we're gonna leave end of story and so they leave and make it back to their hotel and everyone's just eating dinner and having a conversation about everything that happened when Niall is asking about that law that Noriko had brought up before.
1: Which triggers quite the spiral for Andy. Yes. To the point where she's basically just crippled almost to an extent emotionally.
0: Well she's dealing with a lot of guilt and a lot of grief because law 282 is part of the code of Hammurabi and it's the guy who's like you take an eye for an eye. I know who it is. Okay.
1: I read. I also read this.
0: Yes. And Law 282 was about slaves and slaves that are claiming not to have a master and cutting their ear off. Yeah. And so she was trying to explain that it was a different time, it was a different world, and Niall is not having it because it was always wrong. Yeah. And, like, it's especially hard to have that conversation when Andromache is a white woman and Niall is a black woman.
1: Yeah.
0: And it's hard because, like, you know, nowadays people are like, well, I'm not responsible for what my forefathers did or yeah. whatever. And Which is
1: partially right, but they still did the things. Your family, But then so. you've
0: got the person who is actually doing the things. Yeah. And, like, you are responsible for your actions. Yeah,
1: because you actually did it. Yeah.
0: yeah and she kind of has this flashback to right after her first battle and they've won and what they did to the humans that they had collected after the battle. Right. Niall is basically like well you're either part of the problem or your solution now like that's just how it is now. Yeah. And K is just exhausted and guilt-ridden and tired.
1: And she just kind of shuts
0: down. And she's like, I just can't do it anymore. And Niall just kind of turns into the leader and is like, well, let's do this, guys. If you can't, we're leaving. And they do. And they leave her there in that hotel room. And I wish there had been more between like Joe and Nikki and her. Yeah because they had been together for so long.
1: But it seemed like they had just been like, wow, you were giving up on you if you're not going to come do this. Like, you're giving up on us and we're giving up on you.
0: Yeah. And then, you know, she's basically talking to herself saying she doesn't want to be alone again. And like, that was absolutely heartbreaking for me. I could imagine. And that kind of loneliness. And then in comes Noriko. Yeah. Who is basically like, they might have left you, but I won't. So let's go. Yeah. And she's like, where are we going? Yeah. And Noriko said, to meet the others. And that's how you end the book ends, which I didn't love.
1: Well, you gotta think that they're gonna obviously try to get you hooked on something to keep you over for the next one, so.
0: Well, I would always read this whole series. It's just a lot of emotions.
1: Yeah, I could imagine, but... On the long term of the note of it, I I did enjoy it. I just, it was a hard read when you're coming home from nine hours of work and just exhaustion, so.
0: Well, I think it's a combination of being emotionally taxing, but also discussing slavery, like, back then, but also what it looks like in present day. And then you've got also the format and, like, the style. Yeah. And it's just a lot. It's still good, obviously. I rated it pretty highly still, but... It's a lot. I can agree with that. And during our break, you're going to get started on An Absolutely Remarkable Thing by Hank.
1: And it should be Absolutely Remarkable.
0: Or at least... A thing. A thing. This is the last episode before our break, and we will be back in two weeks from this releasing with another book episode. In the meantime, we'll be on the social media, hopefully, unless I just sleep for a week straight. I won't
1: let her, guys. Don't worry. No hibernation here.
0: In the meantime, make sure you check out that social media, which will be linked in the show notes. And we'll catch you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.